Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hope you're doing well this afternoon. And we last week we talked about that the end of all times is at hand. And I'm I'm a little concerned. Is this the end of the times and we're left behind? <laughs> I'm I'm just wondering if this is the folks that are left behind and all of you that are not here are anyway. Okay. Church church stroke. There you go. Anyway. Hope you're doing well. I hope you have your Bibles. We're going to jump into 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll be on verses 12 through 19 today. I really want to make sure that you uh, understand your invitation, and that invitation is to pray for the elder team that will be away this weekend from the, the 4th through the 6th. And so I do want, to, want you to pray for us. I want you to pray that the Lord would just use this time to bring us together and that we would pray for you and that we would just listen to him. And so really exciting about what's going on in our elder team uh, specifically. Just some great things happening, really understanding what it means to be a disciple and a disciple maker, to help people and to to trust, love, and obey Jesus. So um, we just, we're, we're excited about that time and I just want you to be praying for us. So please do that. Um, as we, we take a look last week, uh, I sort of mentioned it earlier, last week what we talked about was we talked about what, what Peter wanted us to do in, in, in waiting for the end of all things to happen. Now, Peter was not a liar. He said, the end of all things is near. And then he said, I want you to fight to pray, and I want you to fight to love people the way that God loves you, and I, and I want you to fight to use your gifts inside the local church. I want you to use your gifts so that you can use your gifts to strengthen other people. That's why you've been gifted. And so that's what he's telling us to do. While you wait, here's what I want your life to look like. Fight to pray, love, and serve. And then he, then he goes back into what does it look like to suffer as a Christian? What does your life look like to suffer as a believer in King Jesus? And now you understand that What's getting ready to happen shortly after Peter writes this letter is Nero is going to set fire to Rome. Okay, he's going to burn it down, and all of a sudden he's going to blame the Christians for this. And so we know that um, that's what's going to take place. Peter is seeing all of these Christians that are scattered throughout the world, and he's really encouraging them to hold fast that you truly are God's workmanship. You, you are his. You are for him. You are to be an instrument of his grace. You are to be working for him. You are to serve him. You are to love him. And you are to follow him. And, and in, that is included in the midst of great persecution and suffering that God allows to happen sometimes. He allows those things to happen. And, and so what we're going to do is we're really going to just take a look at the text this, more, this afternoon, and we're going to really take a look at what is the picture of what our lives should look like in the throes of suffering. What does it look like? I, I think there are six things that I think we can point out here, and that's what I'll do uh, over the next couple minutes. So let's go ahead and uh, let's take a look at the text. The first thing I want you to see is how he addresses everybody. And the first word there is beloved. Now, Here's what takes place in gospel community, all right? He calls them beloved. Now, Peter does not have a relationship with all of these people. He doesn't personally know them. But what he does is he calls them beloved. 
because true gospel community unites us and ignites a love for God's people all over the world. We want to love them. We want to pray for them. We want to support them. And so what Peter is coming to do, he's like, listen, what I'm telling you and what I have been telling you, I'm telling you this because I, I love you. And I love you because Christ first loved me. And therefore, I am demonstrating that love by showing love to you. So it's, it's incredible to see that Peter, Peter loves him. So the first thing that I want you to see in the text, which will be after the word beloved, is, is, is know God. I want you to know God. So look at verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised as the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test your faith as though something strange were happening to you. Here's, here's what we see in verse 12. Verse 12, what he's telling them right now is that, hey, I, I want you to know that there will be trials. They will come to you. You are either in a trial, in the middle of a trial, or coming out of a trial, or getting ready to go into a trial, right? You've heard that before. You're either in the middle of one, coming out of one, or getting ready to go in one. And what we know is that all of these trials, all of these things that happen, come through the filter of God's hands. And he uses all of them for his glory and our good. All of them are used for our good and his glory. So therefore, when we take a look at trials, and we take a look at suffering, we take a look at all that, we have to have a correct view of God. We have to have a good theology. We have to know who God is. Theology is the study of God. A good theology will show us, a good theology will help us to recognize that sometimes life stinks. Sometimes we go through difficult situations. And what Peter is telling them right now is that if you have a right view of God, then you will recognize that it is God who is good and loving, and he's going to use that for your good. So in the midst of a trial, when you're sitting in the middle of a trial, he said, I just want you to know who God is. Because when you know who God is, you will understand that he will use and provide for you great things and great physical blessings and great blessings of his presence. But in addition, he will provide you trials or allow those trials to come, some that he causes, some that he allows. And he will allow them to come into our lives so that what? He says it right there. At the fire, when it comes upon you to test you, to test you, you remember in the first chapter, we're talking about the imperishable faith that we have. We talked about the blacksmith who took all the jewelry and put it into the big pot, and he stirred it up. And what he was trying to do is to get rid of the, um, uh, the impurities in the gold. And so what he would do is he would heat it up, and the impurities would rise, and he would scrape off the impurities and dump it out. And he'd stir and stir and stir until the impurities would rise. The way that he knew that he was done is that he would look down at the pot, and if he could see his reflection, then he knew that he was done. And all the impurities are out of the gold. Oh, that's really the same thing that God is trying to do with our faith. It's not there to hurt our faith. It's there to strengthen our faith. And a proper view of God or a good theology is going to recognize that God uses trials. He uses them. He does. And he's God. And he can use them. 
because he knows what is best for us. Remember, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance that we would walk in them. And so, know God. That's the first thing I, I, want, I want to see. Verse um, 13 through 14. Let's take a look at that. The, the, the next thing I want you to see is that um, we want to rejoice in suffering. Yes, those two things just don't seem to go together, and it's really something that we have to fight for. So we're in a trial. We're going through a time period where it's really, it, we might be suffering. Um, hold on one second. This uh, heater up here, I think, is going to melt my boots. I'm going to... I'm going to put that over there just a little bit there. I was getting a little warm on my, on my toes there. Um, okay, so look at verses 13 through 15. It says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of the glory and of God rests upon you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Verse, six, verse 16, I'm sorry, verse, yeah, 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in, the, in that name. So here's what God wants us to do, or here's what God invites us to do. And, and these two words don't go together when we take a look at rejoice and we take a look at suffering. It's like counterintuitive. In the flesh, it is, there's no way possible that we can do that. In the flesh. That's why the word rejoice, we get from the word joy. We know this. The scriptures teaches us that joy is a fruit of the spirit. And I'm not going to sing you the song. Okay, but you got the song. Love, joy. You know, you have that understanding that what he's talking about right now is as you're sitting in the midst of suffering, or as you're there, he wants us, I want you really to have a deep theology of who God is. I want you to know him. And not only that, I want you to rejoice in the suffering. And it's, it's crazy for us to sit there and think about how these two things to go together. But here's what takes place. Jesus predicted that the world would hate us because they hated him. We're following King Jesus. So it is natural, it is biblical, it is, it's good theology for us to recognize that when following Jesus, people are not going to like us. And in the midst, when we find ourselves in that place, what Peter is encouraging us to do, like he was encouraging those Christians, and this time that we're getting persecuted, he's saying, I want you to rejoice in this suffering. Why? Because you're suffering just like Christ suffered. And it is an honor to suffer like the king suffered. You, you're in good company is really what he's saying. You're suffering like Christ did. You, you, you're like, oh, well, you know what? You know, he, he did this or he did that. Or you can come back to giving examples of other people that have gone through something. But when you go through suffering and you point back to all that Christ did, mocked, betrayed, whipped, bruised, scourged, um, betrayed, all kinds of stuff. You recognize there's a lot that took place. And Peter is saying, hey, you're going to go through that. I want you to rejoice. Why? I want you to rejoice because you're in good company. You're in good company because who Christ is. I, I, I was, um, I probably saw this in, 
the most vivid form through my wife, Dana. Um, lost her mom. Dad's sick. She gets breast cancer within a, I think, three-year period, less than three-year period. And she said something to me that has really resonated with me in terms of when it's rejoice in suffering. She says, I have come to the place that I might as well rejoice or be grateful that God entrusted me to carry this and honor him through it. That's supernatural. That's, that's, that's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. That's not natural for us to do this. Rejoice in suffering is like an oxymoron, right? How do we do that? We do that when we have a right understanding and a right understanding of God. And then we're able to rejoice in the suffering that he is going to allow to come our way because he's a good God and he knows what's best for us. And it is there to purify us. And also it says here, he says, don't be ashamed. Um, Verse 15 through 18. Take a look at 15. I'm going to read that again. 15 through 18 says, 15 through 18 um, right here, but let no one of you, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. You deserve to suffer if you've done those things. That's, that's obvious. Hey, if you've done these things, you deserve to suffer because that's against the law. That's wrong. Yet he says, but on contrary, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Why are we not to be ashamed? Because We're not ashamed because we of all people have hope in Jesus. Don't be ashamed for suffering because our hope is firmly rooted in King Jesus. And he wants us to sit there and say, hey, I I want you to celebrate him. I want you to to honor him. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon you in the midst of this persecution and you can have hope. and, and, and so don't be ashamed. He's saying, don't be ashamed of going through this suffering. Don't be ashamed that you're going through it. What you're saying is, is God, I'm not going to be ashamed because why? I sit here as someone who has his hope firmly resting in Jesus, and I have hope that you're going to work everything out. So I'm not going to be ashamed that I'm going through this. I'm not going to walk around, woe is me. I'm not going to have a pity party. I am going to walk like someone who has hope. And, and that's, I think, what he, what he wants us to see there. At, at verse, uh, verse 19, look at 19 first. Man. That's the last verse. Verse 19. Verse 19 is, is, is really, um, is, is a powerful verse. Here's what it says. Therefore, he summarizes all the things that he said right now. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator. The word entrust means to give over to someone for safekeeping. So here's what we've done as believers in King Jesus. We've taken our souls and we've said, God, I'm asking you to save me. By faith and repentance, we've asked God to do what only he could do and that save us. We have entrusted our souls to someone who is faithful, that he can keep that. And so What he's saying in the midst of all of this right now, I just want you to trust in God. While you're sitting in all of this, while you don't understand this, while God might be confusing you, 
I want you, I, I want you to trust him. I, I want you to, um, to trust your soul to him. It's Jesus on the cross, the same wording. When he says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And if you suffer because as Christ suffers, we suffer like him. Now, let me, let me just tell you what I, uh, happened to me a couple of um, weeks ago. Uh, about a week ago, I, I, am, um, I am the PSA announcer for Panther Creek Athletics, and I have to tell you something right now. I absolutely love it. I could give you a little bit right now. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But I, I go to the Panther Creek Athletic Games, and I'll talk to uh, – I'll, I'll do the uh, starting lineups for basketball and football. And basketball has started up, and so we, we just recently um, did a couple of games. And so I was at a game a couple of weeks ago. The head coach of the Hillside, uh, Hillside Hornets and I, and I were talking, and we got into a conversation, and we started talking about the starting lineups and who his girls were, and they were playing, and he gave me, you know, their names and their height and their, their position, and that's what I got to do, and we went through that together, and then all of a sudden he said, so what do you do for a living? That's just what he asked right off the bat, and I was like, well, well I, actually, I'm a pastor, and I just volunteer at the school. He's like, let me tell you something right now, and he went into how he all of a sudden just got uh, leukemia and months and months of treatment and that he said during that entire time here's what he said during that entire time i want you to know pastor he called me he said i i trusted my i put my faith in god and i trusted him that he would bring me back to the sidelines so that i could impact these girls for jesus and that's why i'm here and 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 we're just sitting here and we're going back and we're talking and then I got to talk about my wife and I got to talk about just believing and trusting in Jesus and, 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 and all this kind of stuff that had taken place. And, and we were celebrating what it means to stand up and recognize that God is a good God in the middle of suffering. That's basically what we were doing on the sidelines before Panther Creek varsity girls were playing the Hillside Hornets varsity girls. And at the end of the conversation, he says, well, I, I don't know if I'll see you again. And, and I looked at him in the face and I said to him, and I said, listen, I'm not sure that I'll see you again here. But after our conversation, I know where I'll see you again. He said, that's right, brother. <laughs> We're going to be worshiping King Jesus together. You know why? Because we've trusted in him. He knows what's best. I, I'm just telling you, it, it, was, it was a beautiful beautiful picture of what what God is 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 or what God is doing through Peter and to try to tell us hey listen you're going to suffer and in the midst of suffering Satan is going to try to get you to believe that you should not trust God he's untrustworthy he doesn't love you he doesn't care about you and that's the complete opposite of who God is that's why it's important from the very beginning to have a right view of God a good theology so that we can come down and say, I have hope in you. I'm going to rejoice in you. And I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust everything that I have to you. I'm going to give that to you. And, and, and number five, I think, is, is, is another one. Uh, it's in verse 19. So Therefore, let those of you who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator. And here's what he wants us to do while we suffer. Do good things. And in the Greek, 
it, it's, really, it's really powerful. It means do good things. That's really what it means. Just plain and simple there, guys. It's not, not fancy in any way, shape, and form. What it means to tackle what Keenan said, and I didn't know that I was going to say, we're his workmanship. So get on about doing those works. He is the potter and we are the clay. He has given us good things to do. Because here's what takes place. When we are persecuted, when we are suffering, the natural inclination is to stop and sulk and do nothing and complain. But when we are led by the Spirit and we recognize that everything goes through the filter of God's hands, we recognize that he's going to use this for his good. So what does an unbelieving world need to see? What do they need to see? They need to see God's people doing good things for his glory. Plain and simple. I, I, I want you to rejoice. I want you to not be ashamed. I, don't want you, I want you to trust. I want you to have a good relationship or good um, theology of God. I, I want you to do, to do good things. Um, the unbelieving world is watching. And one of the things that we can do when we're sitting in the midst of things that are not going our way, so we think, is, do, is, is, is to, to, to serve him and not give up and continue to do that. And then the last thing, and I know this has been a theme for us the last couple of weeks, or the last two weeks at least, but I want you to go back to verse 16. I know I could have done this in order, but I, I didn't. Go back to verse 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but, here's that great conjunction right there, but let him glorify God in that name. When we sit in the middle of suffering, let us glorify God with our belief about him, with our trust in him, with our joy in him. Let us glorify him. I mean, we said it last week. Peter said, so that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's what we closed our service with. When you're in the middle of the end times, what do you want your life to be looked like until Jesus comes back? When Jesus comes back, what do you want to be doing? And so um, we want to be praying and, and loving, and we want to be um, serving in our church. And so why? So that everything God may be glorified. And then this week it says, hey, what do you want to be doing in the midst of suffering? What do you want your life to be known for? Let your life to be known for by fixating on the glory of God because that's why we exist. The Westminster Confession says that we are to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's, that's the purpose of our life is, is the glory of God. We, we glorify him with our belief and we glorify him with our response to trials. We can sit there and say, God, whatever way you see fit for the gospel to go forth, I'll, I ask you to use my life, whatever you want to do. Whatever way you want the gospel to go forth, bring it into my life and allow me through the power of the Spirit to give you credit um, and glorify you. And, and I close with this quote. Band, you can go ahead and make your way up. Um, you can go ahead and make your way up. I'm just going to close with this quote right now. Here, here, here is a quote that basically is, is a challenge to us. Here's a challenge. If God can oversee the forces of nature, surely he can see us through our trials we face. We must never doubt his loving concern for us or his ability to rescue us. Let me ask you a question. Are you 
in the middle of the trial, the trial that you find yourself in? Are you distracted or are you persevering? Are you distracted or are you persevering? What would it take for you, for your life to be summarized as someone is like, well, I, I am persevering. I do believe that this came through the filter of God's hands and I am going to walk through with what he has laid before me. Peter is, is in essence, getting them ready for great persecution through Nero that's getting ready to take place. He says, he talks about the fiery trial. I believe that that is a, 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 a telegraph, a foreshadow of what's getting ready to happen through the Spirit. And, and God in his sovereignty is, is doing everything in our life right now to get us ready to hold fast to him. The question is, is are we allowing him to do that? So I close with this statement one more time. We must never doubt his loving concern for us or his ability to rescue us. God is a great rescuer. He loves us. We love you. Can't wait to be able to continue to be with you again. Pray for our elder retreat this week. And, and this week, allow the trial that you are faced with. Allow the trial that you are faced with for God to teach you something about himself. Ask God to open up your heart. God, don't let me just complain all the way through it. You know, in the last several months through, even over the last, I think, seven to ten months, we've been in James, and James says, count it pure joy when you go through a trial. And now we're here in First Peter, and he's telling us, hey, listen, when you're going through a trial, here's what I want you to do. And, and so uh, let us, as a community, fight for each other in the midst of those difficult times so that we can have a great view of God, we can rejoice, we can trust and at the end of the day, we can do good things, and we can uh, glorify him. So I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for the worship team helping us out. Um, it's actually not that cold out here uh, under the tent. So love you. See you next week, and have a great week. Let me pray for us. God, as we continue to sing our last song here, I just pray that you would be glorified. I pray that you would use this song to help us and, and the words of this song to help us to draw closer to you. I know, Lord, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in our church. There, there might be job situations that are really trying right now. There, there are marriage situations that are really trying right now. God, right now, I ask you to intervene in those marriage situations, job situations, parenting situations, just relational conflict in all ways, shapes, and, si shapes and sizes. I just give it to you right now. I'm asking your Holy Spirit to lead us. Our flesh is weak, but you are strong. We pray, Lord, as we live as, as um, your workmanship, that um, in, we would continue to be that, be that answer to your prayer in, in verse 10 of Ephesians, that we would be your workmanship in the midst of even great trials and suffering. Um, There's so many great things that you have done for us and to us, the one thing is, Lord, you've redeemed us. You've set us free from our sin, given us hope. You've given us grace. You've given us faith. So help us, as a community, walk together alongside each other in regards to suffering and difficult times. You are so good all the time. You are just so good.
So I love you. Thank you for who you are. Use this song for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.